Hi, I'm Emily Trotter, and you're listening to Bible Talk on the Nothing But Fine Network. When I was a little girl, my grandfather, who was a gospel singer, always said he was nothing but fine when someone asked him how he was. My hope is that within our studies of God's Word, you will be reminded that through hard seasons and unforeseen circumstances, we can find contentment because God is in control and life is nothing but fine. Hi, everyone. So glad you're here. Why do I sing like that? I don't know. You know, I start talking and then I'm like, why am I doing? What am I doing? (laughs) I apologize for sounding scattered sometimes, but like, I'm always surprised um, about what's happening. <laughs> Even though I'm the one pushing the buttons, I'm the one doing this. Um, coming up, um, the end of November, uh, there's an interview with Brian Hart Hoffman, which you just need to be excited about. Um, and if you're not a, a listener of, of Let's Talk, you should be, um, because it's where we have fun. Uh, well, Bible talk is fun too, right? I, I'm all about it. I that's the fun part. I I love getting into this and and doing that. But let's talk is more is more um, not as heavy all the time, a lot more lighthearted, and it's really interesting with lots of different kinds of people that are on. But anyway, I digress. Um, Brian Hart Hoffman is is on. Um, it's the the very last Monday of November. I can't tell you the date right now because I'm not looking at a calendar. But um, so after Thanksgiving. Um, Brian is on and he is, I like to refer to him as America's baking sweetheart. Um, He is precious and delightful, but I was recording with him and I went to Birmingham to do that and I hit record and then I don't know what happened, but he says, and I hope that this is not edited out, but he said on the recording, well, that's a great way to start. (laughs) Oh, and there's a text I'm getting. Um, I don't know why it makes it so loud. Can y'all hear that ding? Um, But so anyway, um, so I'm always see now I'm, I'm, I'm flustered and off because I got a text. Um, Let's hope I don't get another one. Um, So anyway, so back into the Beatitudes, Um, we're learning so much. Guess what? There's this one. And then there's um, the next one. <laughs> there's only, so this one is today we're talking about Matthew 5, 8, which is blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And then there's two other ones. And the last one, um, it, it, it comes with several more extra verses. So there's only, um, after today, there's only two more Beatitudes and then we'll be moving in a more rapid pace through through Matthew. Um as far as I know, that's the plan for me anyway, as we move forward. So let's talk about being pure in heart, shall we? Um, so blessed are the pure in heart. What does that mean? Well, I had to look up, of course, like I do. Um, the Greek word for pure. And it's interesting to see what this is. Uh, pure is katharos. So figuratively, it's, it's spiritually clean because pr- purged which also means purified by God. And how are we purified by God? Through Jesus. Um, It means we're free from the contaminating or the soiling influences of sin. And ethically, we're free from corrupt desire from sin and guilt. Um, That's what it means in the Greek, that, that the words that it was written in. And what I really love and appreciate that 
these beatitudes really line up with each other. I really appreciate that. And and it's just a continuation of a theme, right? So each one leads right into the next and they're just layer upon layer of actions that we can do to to shape us into the kind of human beings that that we're meant to be and we're we're called to be. And it just kind of leads us into the potential that we all have. Um and sure, I know that it's it, it's easier said than done, right? Um, but the other thing that I noticed that when I was sat down to really look at this was, is this just me? Or when I'm, you know, when you sit down and you first read something like the Beatitudes and you say, blessed are the, you know, whatever the next one might be, you go, okay, yeah, yeah. And so you get to, you know, we've already heard blessed are those who mourn and okay, well, on face value, it, it you might read it as one thing, but it really means something else, right? So you get to, so blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And you say, well, pure in heart, sure, pure in heart. I know what that means. And then you kind of go, well, let me dig into that a little bit. And you start reading a little bit more. And then you kind of go, oh, well, duh. <laughs> Just me? Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> Is it just me that tells myself, well, duh, Emily, why did you, why did you not get this before? Um, because the thing about all of these is it's, it, they sound and they seem like they're different things, but they're really all just the same thing, right? Yes, nod your head, yes, they are. Because all of this is just a means to help us be the people, like I just said, be the people that we were meant to be so that we can live into our full potential of the kind of human beings God created and that what he hoped for before sin came in. Right? So um, when you look at being pure in heart, well, how do you get that way? How, how, how in the world do you get, do you get? get to the point where you where you have you don't have the desires you're not corrupted by the desires and and by sin and and by and you're not influenced by those things how do you get to the point well first of all i don't honestly i don't i don't think we do if i'm being completely honest i don't think that we ever get to the point where we are just i assume some people do but i would think by and large the majority of people never get to the point where they're not distracted by or influenced by sin right but the point is do you strive for that do you go towards that purity. Because God's not asking for perfection because he knows that we're not. He knows that we're not, and that's why he sent Jesus. Remember? He's already been that merciful to us. He has been so merciful that he's already given us that completely undeserved gift and redemption through his son. Okay, let's look at that. So that's, I mean, we're looking at that. That's why we have through Jesus. That's why I said through Jesus. That's how we're purified. That purging of sin has been done and covered by Jesus. And the thing that when I hear pure of heart, I automatically think, and 
first of all, there's um, a song by um, Shane and Shane. It's Psalm 51. So we're going to get back into the Psalms. I know you're excited. And I contemplated, here's the weird thing. It's not weird, but uh, this is, oh, this is, you know, what a coincidence. Is it really? No, it's not. Um, so I, when we were doing the Psalms, if you've not been with us, we, we did the Psalms for a really long time. <laughs> Weeks and weeks and weeks we talked about the Psalms, and I was doing the ones that David wrote. And so there's a pretty famous one that David wrote, not the 23rd one. We did that one. But I skipped right over Psalm 51, and I had in my mind, oh, we will definitely do this one. This I will do 51 for sure, because it is the Psalm that David wrote after Bathsheba. As a you know, after that one, where you know, you know, if you don't know the story of David, he sees he was supposed to be out at war. That's what that's what kings did in the spring. They went out in war when the weather was good. They went out and, and did battle with whoever was around, whoever they ran across, right? And so the kings, but David was getting a little complacent in his kingship, king his reign, maybe. And so he decided he was going to take this particular spring off. So he was just, you know, loafing around the house, being lazy and enjoying his life as a king, right? And he looks down and he sees on the roof a very beautiful woman bathing and he sends for her. And, well, she's someone else's wife. But David doesn't let that slow him down. And so he he has Bathsheba brought up. Um, they have a adulterous affair, an evening or an afternoon, whatever it might be, he sends her back. And guess what? Yep, lo and behold, she ends up pregnant. And so David, but her husband was one of David's most, I mean, loyal soldiers. He was out doing what he was supposed to do in the spring. And so David, when he finds that Bathsheba is pregnant, he immediately sends for her husband to come home. Uriah is, I believe, his name. Right? I'm not going to look it up. But yes, um, we'll, we'll go with that. It starts with a U for sure. Um, so he goes, he brings him back to the battlefield, says, bring, give me a report. I want to hear how's it, how it's going. And so he's there and he goes, now, thank you for coming. I appreciate your service. Thank you so much. I want, now that you're home, please go home and sleep in your own bed. Go see your wife. You know, go, go home and enjoy the benefits of being at home. And he's like, I can't do that. I mean, he says to David, yes, of course. But he's like, I can't do that. I'll all my men, all my friends, my my fellow soldiers, they're they're in battle. I will not just come home and enjoy the comforts of home. I'm not going to do that. And so he, David hears that he's he slept outside on the ground. He didn't even go to his house. He just slept outside the the castle or David's compound and he he hears that he's done that and he's like, "Why did you do that?" And he was like and he tells David, he's like, "How why could I do that? How could I in good conscience while my men and my friends are in battle? I can't do that." So he goes <clears throat> so David's like, "Well, come in and have dinner with me then." And then you can be on your way. Go back in the morning, but but first let's let's let let me let me pamper you a little bit. 
And so David feeds him and gives him a lot of wine. And he's hoping that he's going to get so drunk that he's going to forget his his very lofty and moral values and, and, and things that this thing that he's he's said that, oh, I can't do this. He's hoping that the wine is going to relax that and that he is going to leave the castle or the not the castle. I guess they didn't really live in castles, but leave the king's king's house and go home to his wife in his wine-induced stupor and, and be with Bathsheba. That doesn't happen. He is still, I can't. So, But he goes back. He goes back to the battle lines. So when David realizes that he hasn't gone home and seen Bathsheba, that he's like, oh, what am I going to do now? So he sends for the commander and he tells the commander, I need you to put him on the very front lines so that he's killed in battle. And that's what happens. And when that happens, David takes Bathsheba as his own, as his wife. And so after that is when David writes the 51st Psalm and it's about confession and it's about having this understanding of what you've done is wrong and that you feel bad about it. It's been brought to your attention and you realize that you have made a huge mistake. Still sin, it's sin and you got to confess. So this is what David says. And, and the thing is, I didn't, we didn't study it and I skipped it. And I couldn't really tell you a reason why that I was like, no, I don't want to do that. This is not what we're doing. But man, it fits right in here with this pure of heart. Because David talks about it. David talks about it that the Shane and Shane, the song is Psalm 51, and it talks about being pure of heart, and it talks about having wisdom in the secret heart. Um, my Aunt Judy did a solo album years and years ago. That's Judy Martin Hess is who my Aunt Judy is. Um, and she sings with the Martins, her brother and sister. But she did a solo album years ago, and she had a song in it called Pure Heart. And I can always I can hear her, too. And I will link that. I will link these two songs for you in the show notes over on nothingbutfine.com. You can look those up and see uh, my notes on this. It's not always the same because sometimes I get off on tangents. What? I know you're surprised. But let's read Psalm 51, shall we? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt. O God, the God who saves me and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Oh Lord, Open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. There will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Doesn't that is David puts it perfectly. David says, oh, God, I've I've sinned. I have done something that is awful in your eyes. I've sinned against you. Because I know this is wrong. But what what he was tempted, he was influenced. He had the desires and he followed through with them. He was led astray. He was not looking down at Bathsheba. Thinking, oh, look, that's so-and-so's wife. Look, isn't she beautiful? Man. Wow. And then go about his day, because guess what? He shouldn't even have been there to look. He shouldn't have been there to look. What's that saying that we've all heard a million times that you may not have heard it, but sin will take you farther than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay, make you pay more than you wanted to pay. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, this story, this David and Bathsheba, it just spiraled to not only did he have an affair and sleep with someone else's wife, he had them murdered. Though he didn't kill him himself, he laid it all up to happen. In a way to cover his sin, to cover it up. And that's not the way you do it. And Nathan the prophet is the one that had to come to him and say, hey, listen to this. Tells him a story and David's like, who is this? Bring him to me. His vengeance. Huh. I, I am bringing, I am going to make sure this person pays for what they've done. And Nathan looks at him and says, it's you. I'm talking about you. And the moment that Nathan brings it up, brings it to him, the moment that Nathan the prophet, with a word from the Lord, came to him and said, hey, that's you, buddy? David immediately was like, oh, my gosh. And he was immediately contrite. He immediately recognized what he had done and against whom he had done it. And and he told, tells us how to do it. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your, from your presence. Grant me a willing spirit. He says, you can do this, God. You can create it in me and you can help me to sustain it. You can teach me the ways that I can sustain this pure heart. 
so that I will, what is it, mourn what you mourn? Like the Beatitudes, we'll just go through the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Yes, so I can be humble and live under your sovereignty. Blessed are those who mourn. Here we go. I'm going to mourn what you mourn. Blessed are the meek. I'm going to be humble again. I'm going to get in that humbleness. And I'm going to let that gentleness be my power. Meek is might, as I like to say. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because I'm, I'm craving that pure heart. How do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Keep, keep, well, if you've got a pure heart, you're automatically going to do those things. You're automatically going to want to live in that way. You're going to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful. If I've got a pure heart and am looking at things the way that God looks at them, knowing that I've been purged of my sin because why? Because God has been merciful and sent his son to die for me, then I am going to be able to have an easier time of having a pure heart. And no, this is all fine and good. Yes, to say all of this sounds easy, but it's not. But the thing is, it's not supposed to be. Look at David. Look at what he had just done. And David knows enough to say, you can create in me this pure heart. You can make it so that I have one. You can give me the knowledge to help me sustain this way of life. You, Lord, are the one who is going to do it. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. You're going to wash me. You're going to give me the wisdom because I'm asking you to teach me. David says all this and then he goes on to say, and guess what? Yeah, I'm going to have grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Right. Then the next word is, then I will teach grand transgressors your way. We tend to think that I can't tell anyone. Who's going to listen? David never. I mean, I'm sure he thought at some point, but in his writings, it didn't come across that he was like, who am I to say anyone to anything? I can't tell people this. I mean, don't we all feel unqualified? I do. Who am I to sit here and tell any of y'all how to read your Bible? I'm just Emily. I'm just a 46-year-old stay-at-home mom. (laughs) Why would anyone listen to what I have to say? (laughs) Because God has told me that I have a voice that I, and that I can and you can too he has given you a pure heart he has shown you he will show you he will give it to you it all starts with realizing who you are and who he is It's it, it, it's easy and 
<laughs> in theory, it's easy. In practice, it's not. But God wants us to try. What he's looking for is that willing spirit. He's looking for the willing spirit that acknowledges I'm a sinner and I do it wrong. Help me to change. Help me to love what you love and hate what you hate. You can ask that. You know why? Because Jesus loves you. And he wants to give you whatever you want. He wants you to be happy. But he wants you to look through it, through everything, through his eyes. Can you weigh everything against his standard? That's going to move you closer to a pure heart. 